Welcome to Ask Jane with relationship expert and best-selling author, Jane Strauss. Have you been betrayed? Is fear, hurt, or rejection keeping you from the love and intimacy you want? Are financial issues wreaking havoc in your relationship? Do you fight with the people you're closest to? Do you feel bored or are you cynical or hopeless about any of your relationships? Well, if so, this next hour is dedicated to you. Listen in as Jane speaks with callers about their problems and shares her unique insights and strategies to create more joy and intimacy in your life. And now your host, Jane Strauss. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I know that many of you are struggling with relationship issues. I want you to know that I'm here for you. Your information is confidential, so send me your questions or concerns at jane at askjanenow.com or call my confidential line, 415-458-1900. That's 415-458-1900. You've got issues and we've got answers. This is your show and I'm here to help you enjoy more intimacy and connection with everyone in your life. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. What relationship problem do you need help with today? Oh, boy. Um, I am separated from my husband, and um, it's not final, but we, we filed some papers, but we're definitely, we're still living in the same apartment together. We have a two-bedroom, two-bath, so we've sort of just moved into separate rooms. And um, I still have feelings for him, but I I don't know. I'm just confused. I've taken a few weeks away, okay. and I'm sort of trying to sort out my feelings. Why did you separate? Um, mm, we were having problems probably since the day we got married. Um, we've gone to a lot of counseling, and we just have never been able to get past these problems. I like to work a lot, and I think he feels that perhaps I didn't respect him. I would stay late at work and say I was going to be home at 7.30, and then it would get maybe two quarter to 8, 8 o'clock, and I hadn't left yet. And so... I think he felt disrespected, and I never felt that in love with him that I wanted to rush home because he was, he was always angry at me. So I think there was a vicious cycle of me not feeling loved and me feeling that he was always angry at me. Well, so, one of the things, you, you kind of said two different things here that I want to check in with you about, Susan, because okay. you were saying that you weren't sure if you were in love with him, but then you said you weren't sure you felt loved. By uh, him. Both. Yes, both things so are true. So when you got married, before mm-hmm. all of this like kind of showed its or reared its ugly head, um, yeah. did you were you in love with him ever? No. No. Yes, yes. When we were dating, yes. When we, I think when I when I wanted him to ask me to marry him, I was, and then I I I waited very specifically for him to ask me to marry. I wouldn't move in with him until he asked me to marry him. And then when we finally got engaged, I agreed to move in. And even then, I started to see these patterns of us arguing a lot, and him had a very bad temper, has a very bad temper. And I started to see that that I I even quit my job and got a different job because I would be working so late, I'm in advertising. And When you say he has a bad temper, what does that Hmm? mean? It means even when he's driving, he he rages a lot. He can't stand the traffic. No, but what does it uh, mean towards you? Has he ever hurt you? Yes. Well, that was what made us decide to separate was that he hit me. He hit you? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what were the circumstances around that? Um, I was working late. He had given me permission to work late. He was going to go out with a friend, and I was on deadline with something, and he had said, Okay, tonight you go ahead and work late, no problem. It was a Friday night, and so I did stay working late till my deadline was completed, and then we chatted on the phone, and he said, I'm still out, so go ahead and finish whatever you're doing. And when we chatted again, I said, well, it's, I probably could be home by this time, and he said, okay, that sounds good. And then I, of course, did not make it by the time I said I would be home, so I was about 20 minutes late, and that sends him into a rage, and granted, this is a pattern of mine, so I, do, I, I understand that I probably pushed him mm-hmm. too hard many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. So when I did finally, when I was driving home, he was calling me and hanging up on me and yelling at me and telling me, you know, calling me names and very bad names and saying, you know, you're a liar, you're a liar. And um, I was feeling fear because he, he gets into these kinds of rages, and at, at that point... 
it's almost as though he goes to black. So he can't even, you can't talk to him anymore. You can't mm-hmm. reason with him. And so as I was driving home, I was wondering, should I go home? Should I go somewhere? Should I, what should I do? Because it was late. It was like 11.15 at night. And um, even though we had no plans to do anything that night, I was just going to come home and we were going to eventually go to bed. And that would, we weren't, we weren't going to have anything that evening. So what happened? So I got home and he had put a chair in front of the door and as if that was going to keep me from coming in. But so I came in and he had the bedroom door locked and shut. And I realized I was probably sleeping on the couch. I asked him if I could at least come in and get a pillow. And he did not answer the door. He wouldn't let me come in. So it was, then I just said, okay, fine, I'm just going to sleep on the couch. And about 20 minutes later, he came out to go to the bathroom, and then he left the door open. So I asked, could I please come in and get a pillow? And when I did come in, because he didn't say anything, so I assumed that was okay, mm-hmm. I sat down on the bed, and we chatted, or I thought we were going to have a talk about it. I said, can we talk for a few minutes? And I tried to apologize and explain. And, and as I was sitting there, we were talking. And then, I, I don't know, just suddenly out of, the, out of nowhere, it seemed like out of nowhere, he hit me. And where? And, and, that, and he hit on you once yeah. on the face? And has no, he, ever, he hit me. Yes? He's only hit me a couple of times when we were fighting. And I pro- at those times, I believed that I had hit him first, like on the arm, you know, I was just so mad at him, I hit him either with a pillow or I hit him, you know, on the arm where his muscle was very hard and I couldn't possibly hurt him, but I'd hit him first. So those times I didn't really consider it that he had hit me because I'd reached out first. Uh-huh, but he... When Although he I don't would... believe he should ever hit me back, but <laughs> but I had hit first. And when he hit you back? And he never hit me really, he never hit me in a way that, that I thought he was going to hurt me. This time I thought he he was going to hurt me. Uh-huh. So this so I has, was very, very scared. So this has escalated in your relationship. You can recognize the part where you've pushed him to a yeah, place. Yeah, I definitely pushed him. Yeah, I Have did. you wanted out of this relationship and you're looking for a reason, Susan? Possibly. <laughs> because, yeah, I think I, I wanted out. Okay, because uh, you're, yeah. you're describing a pattern that I, that I do hear with women, and I understand it, which is you want out, but you don't, you're not sure— and you don't give yourself permission, so you create a situation that you think will force, like you find the place where um, you create the person going over a line with you, and a, a line oh, you've drawn in the sand. And then mm-hmm. you say, well, look, at he did this, so now everyone will approve of you leaving. No one wants <laughs> you to stay in an abusive relationship, and you get all sorts of support for that. But really, yeah. it may be that you weren't in your truth with yourself, that you had been wanting to leave and this was this was like the door the way you created the door opening for yourself that's possible although i did not tell any of my family that he hit me because i don't want them to turn against him i don't think that's i did tell a couple of girlfriends uh-huh. who would support me but i didn't think it was right to tell my family cuz i don't i don't want that for him uh-huh so i hear I that just don't. i i hear that but the fact is is that you're looking at this and you can acknowledge this place where you've pushed the relationship to this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming you for getting no, I hit. Yeah. I'm not saying anybody ever has a right to hit you. I want to make that really clear for all our listeners, too, that no one has the right to hit anybody. It's not right. an excuse. And you are being honest that you can see your part and even your yeah. motive here, that yeah. you were looking for an out. Now it sounds like you're not sure you want that out. Yeah, I'm not sure because I see my part in it. Uh-huh, right. So... So now you're looking at this going, okay, I created my out, but now I don't know if I want this out, but maybe <laughs> I've pushed it to such a place that there's no repair from here. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because now he and I have been talking, and and I since I've acknowledged my part of it, uh-huh. we've actually been having some conversations. And because I think I've said, you know, I see that I kind of pushed you and he, because he feels terrible. That he that he did that. Uh-huh. He never. He told me he's never ever hit a woman, and any, and he was married before for sixteen years. Uh-huh. He's never hit before, and that he he even that night he, he and I've heard that men when they do this they cry and cry. He he felt so terrible that he'd done that to me, mm-hmm. and I think he's very frightened that he went that far and that he 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 doesn't want to lose me. He told me so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now I'm just like in this quandary, and now on top of it, I just met this guy here where I am. I've gone away for like a, a cleansing retreat and I 
I've been for uh, two weeks, and I stayed for a third week, and now I met Uh this guy who's just completely the opposite of my husband, and suddenly I'm having all these feelings that I haven't had for years Uh of someone who's actually nurturing and very caring and not a substitute for my husband, I know, but somebody who's giving me a lot of attention and thinks I'm beautiful the way I am and and all the things that my husband hasn't given me for a long, long time. So Uh now I'm really confused. (laughs) Right. You're not going to get out of this confusion anytime soon, Susan. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you for telling me. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sorry. That's the good news and the bad news. So um, does your husband know about this man? No. No, 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 no. Uh-huh. And I don't, and I, and I wouldn't tell him. No, I'm not. This because this could just be like a little fling because I'm just away and I. Except that you you're know. not really separated. You're living in the same home. Well, with, I know. I'm. I know we're not really. We're not and, separated um, physically. Well, you're not I mean, separated. I'm away, I'm away right now. I'm away. Just so you understand, I'm away for three weeks. Right. I understand that. But okay. you're not. You're not really in your husband's mind. If I were to have him on the phone right now, and I would say, "Are you and Susan separated?" I wouldn't get a yes. I would get, "We filed some papers, but we're working on our relationship." Mm. Right. I, I don't know. Well, I guess because these phone conversations we've had, because he, actually, if you talked to him a week ago, he had said to me, "You get that this is over, right?" He said that to me on the phone. You uh-huh. get that this is over. And why I said, why did okay. he feel like it was over when he's been crying and remorseful? No, because because I think after all that happened and we decided to file, I think he was happy in the beginning. He was very happy to get rid of me, I think. But then I think he's had time to, while I've been gone, I think he's had time to think about it. Uh-huh. You'll miss me while I'm, when I'm gone kind of thing. So he's, Yeah, I think since uh-huh. I've been gone and I came here and I've lost some weight, these were all issues that, that were bothering him. I'd put on some weight. And That's never a bottom line issue. Mm. Just want you to know that. So, so Susan, in, in the time yeah. we have here, like there's a okay. like there's a a lot of like a can of worms here. You know, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You're right that there are a lot of things in your relationship, and for you to sort those out with to really be clear is going to take mm-hmm. a while. And yeah. and I think that you're not going to serve yourself or your relationship with your husband or even the possibility of this new relationship being anything that's going to feel good ultimately um if you stay under one roof with your husband mm-hmm. you know i don't know your financial situation and i don't know what's possible for you but this sounds like an icky like there's just a lot of ickiness that you're setting yourself up for by hanging mm. by being stuck literally being stuck under the same roof I see what you're saying, yes. And um, because it doesn't give either of you much room to really think about and work on what's going on for you and what to do differently and how not to get back in patterns. Right, right, right. It almost almost feels like ultimately I would almost like to date my husband and not be under that same roof and just fall back into the old patterns. Right. And the danger of falling back into old patterns when you're under the same roof because you don't have a choice of where to go. Right, you can't leave. You right, can't leave. Right. And so, uh, you know, I would really like you to consider that be- while you get clear mm-hmm. about what you really want in your life and what he wants in his life, and so that you don't put yourself in a situation where the abuse can come up. Because once it's happened once, it's sometimes like I a know. floodgate opening. I so um, I really yeah. want to support you in keeping yourself safe, creating safety in a physical way for yourself, um, such that you can explore what you need to explore right now in your life okay yes how does that sound so you're to you? suggesting well you're suggesting i better get a place of my own probably if i yeah. can do that that would be the best thing i think so okay that sounds that sounds right i just have to figure out how to do it but that sounds right okay all right so let me sounds know how fine. you're doing with that okay <laughs> thank you jane all right take good care i appreciate it uh-huh thank you're you. welcome bye-bye bye Do you know the difference between a dash and a hyphen? Can't figure out when to use a colon or a semicolon? Wondering when to say I or me? Do you want to polish your resume? Then you need the best-selling blue book of grammar and punctuation, which has been endorsed by thousands of teachers, business professionals, and homeschoolers. To see the entire content of the blue book, visit grammarbook.com, G-R-A-M-M-A-R book. There you can read the easy-to-follow rules and examples and take hundreds of fun, interactive quizzes. And now it's time for another Ask Jane tip with your host, Jane Strauss. One of my tips is to learn how to take a time in. 
When our kids fight or they do something they know they shouldn't, but they're over the top emotionally, we give them timeouts to give them and us a chance to decompress and change the energy. But what we could all use sometimes is a time in. A time in is a moment to check in with ourselves. We gear up every day with a to-do list, always looking at the next thing and the next thing to check off before going on to the next thing. A time in is a way to get present, to check in with ourselves, and to be more conscious of our thoughts, feelings, and actions. So how exactly do you take a time in? First, take a deep breath. And remember to not just breathe in, but to also breathe out completely. Then check in with your body. Where do you feel pain or tightness? What is the message your body is trying to give you there? What emotion are you holding in your body? Then ask yourself, what do you need in that moment? For example, if your chest feels tight, maybe you're anxious about a meeting you're about to attend. Take a moment to give yourself a pep talk by reminding yourself of how well prepared you are or how well you've done in the past. If you have a headache, rather than pop a pain reliever immediately, ask yourself what emotion you're holding in your head. Let's say it's concern over money. It is for a lot of people these days, so that could be it. Then take a moment to formulate a plan, whether that's asking for someone's help around your financial situation or promising yourself that you'll make a more realistic budget. You can still take a pain reliever, but you may find that you don't need one after taking a time in. Email what you're thinking about right now about what we've just talked about taking a time in. Email me at jane at askjanenow.com. You can read more about creating your extraordinary life by going to askjanenow.com or reading my book, Enough is Enough. Now it's time for more of Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert and best-selling author Jane Strauss. Ask Jane your important question, and her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. Time now for one of our former callers to check back in and follow up with Jane, right here on Ask Jane. Hi, Amanda. Welcome back to the Ask Jane Show. Oh, thank you so much, Jane. And Amanda had called in before. Uh, Amanda is a survivor of breast cancer and uh, has undergone surgery for it and all the things that go along with healing from breast cancer and finds her life so different now from before breast cancer. And um, her body is different and her feelings are different and a relationship ended during that time. And this has been a very tough and difficult and in some ways surprising road for Amanda. Yeah, that sums it up pretty well. Okay, good. So what we want to do is catch up with you since our last talk together and see what ahas you've had, uh, what's worked for you about what we talked about, and maybe even other layers that have that this has uncovered for you. Well, you know, I had a pretty good attitude going through all this. Um, I made a lot of new friends. I became interested in raising awareness and funds for breast cancer research. I actually was on a, a runway. I was a model for a fundraiser, and um, that was a huge amount of fun. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so I, I've started a couple of um, social groups with other survivors, and I guess what I've learned is that... Um, you know, there's so many of us out there who are just trying to do the best that we can every day. And, you know, if that's being a parent or if that's being a, a good employee or a good lover or a good friend or a good survivor, you know, we're all kind of just looking at the lessons in our lives to see what they can teach us. And I saw cancer as a really big blessing and a gift because it did allow me to expand um, my circle of support and to also get to know the people in my life a little bit better and more deeply. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed me to kind of get more in touch with my with my body, with my physicality and who I am um, independent of my body. Mm-hmm. So I see it kind of as a gift that was handed to me, um, but it doesn't make it 
any easier when I feel like, okay, so this is my new normal. And I, and I, we talked about that last time, right. you know, my new normal and being compassionate with myself. And, and I find myself going along and, and getting excited about, I um, mean, you know, I'm doing another fashion show and a bunch of other projects that I'm involved in now. And I, I get real excited about that. But then at the same time, I feel like, man, am I, has this kicked me into a, a, you know, my midlife slump? Am I having like a midlife crisis? Um, <laughs> crisis, you know, it's like, am I that cliche that now that I've been through this huge amount of um, change, and, and now I find myself in my early 40s, and and I'm a mom to a teenager who's going through her own amazing changes at the same time, and um, wow, I'm I'm just starting to think if this is my new normal, how do I not make it cliche. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, well, like, well, like the just, victim or the... Right. I hear that. You know, when you just said that you're the mom of a teenager who's going through her own amazing changes, you know, I'm also the mom of a teenager. Mm. And one of the things that has happened for me as I watch my daughter um, grow and develop is it actually sometimes um, I feel sad. I don't feel sad about her. I love watching her grow and develop and become her you know, become more and more of who she is in the world. But it also sometimes makes me feel sad about the things that I didn't do uh, or didn't have opportunities to do when I was her age, how I felt about myself, even at her age. And um, so I'm just wondering, is that, does any of that come up for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that it definitely makes me feel sad or blue or even, I mean, I hate to work, use the word depressed clinically, but I guess that would that would really describe sometimes how I, I do feel. And it's not that, I, I mean, I'm so happy for her and she's beautiful and positive and smart and just my greatest teacher, you know? Mm-hmm. I um, understand that perfectly, <laughs> yep. But, you know, sometimes when we're going through what we call midlife crisis, it's really that we're circling back around to another time in our life that needs some deeper healing. Mm-hmm. So maybe your daughter's, your daughter's situation, as well as having breast cancer and the changes that that has brought for you, is actually calling for you right now to circle back to a time when you were younger and to address some of that pain. What is the pain that it brings up for you? Well, it just brings up the feeling of not being seen or understood or or sometimes even invisible. Mm-hmm. And I kind of associate that with, with old people who I've heard say, you know, I just feel invisible. Um, you know, you walk down the street and people aren't looking at you. They're, you know, they're checking out your daughter. And it just is uncomfortable. And it, uh-huh. it does make me feel a little bit like I've just been spent. And right. um, what is my value? And so I guess that's what I'm reevaluating is... Okay, but Amanda... That feeling, here's what I'm going to guess, that that feel, that the feeling you're having of being invisible and kind of, in a sense, useless and not wanted may not be new mm-hmm. for you. And it's coming up with, you know, calling it around breast cancer and 40s and changes, but really that's what's just highlighting it right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um did you feel that when you were your daughter's age? Not really. I didn't. Um, I had a, you know, I was part of a really strong four-person family and mom and dad and sister, and um, I felt very seen. Um, maybe in some ways, you know, my mom was an older mom, quote-unquote older, and she was 43 when I was born back mm-hmm. in the 60s, and and uh, so we were just, you know, God's gift on earth, uh-huh. my sister and I. And so, you know, um, and she was really a great mom. But at the same time, because she did have us kind of later in life, she passed away uh, three weeks before my 30th birthday. Uh-huh. And so maybe there has something to do with that, with right at the same time that I was becoming a new mom, I didn't really have a chance to become great friends with my mom before she passed away. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So when you're saying that right now, what are you feeling? Uh, I, I feel 
that that sadness is coming up again for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, um, you know, just missing her and, and feeling like I'm doing this all on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it comes up when people say, oh, I'm going to my, you know, grandma's coming over. Or, you know, I'm going over to my mom's house. We're going shopping together. It's just, it makes me sad. It makes me feel like kind of on my own. Okay, so we're talking to Amanda, who was on the show before, who's gone through breast cancer recovery and even what we've called procovery, um, the new normal, and um, it's impacted every part of her life. And what um, you're now realizing, Amanda, is that some of what's coming up is the grief and loss over not having your mom since you were 30 years old and she passed. Mm-hmm. And feeling like you didn't get to have that in your life. Yeah, and now I'm I'm fr- confronted with being a mother of a of a teenager who's, you know, I think the grieving is, and we talked a little bit last time about losing that relationship, that personal relationship that I was in when I was first diagnosed, and I feel like this is another loss for me mm-hmm. in in some ways, and I I hate that it sounds so negative because I I really do see it as her evolving and, and flowering and growing. Right, and you're not begrudging her. No, no, no I'm, I'm not. not but but it, it definitely signifies the passing and the passage of time. Right. And so I guess that is putting kind of a spotlight on the aging process. And yes. that I'm now close to the time of age that my mom was when I was born. And, and what's next for me? And am I going to yes. be around for my daughter? And so, yeah, I think maybe you've touched on something here. Mm-hmm. I think you have here. And I think, you know, I really want to acknowledge your courage to do that, to go deeply in here. And, you know, you are in the transition time between recovering from uh, an illness and looking at what's next. And I know, you know, I am a, a brain tumor survivor. Mm. And um, I know that transition time from... Okay, there was the time before I was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I considered myself healthy uh, to being a person who has a brain tumor to being a person who had a brain tumor removed Mm -hmm. um, but has to get yearly checks about it um, to who am I now and how am I defined and what does my life look like from here? Um, And it all does change, and that redefinition comes as it comes. And some of it is that I think that we do have to grieve the losses of, in some ways, our naivety and our innocence mm-hmm. and um, come through with that knowledge that we have about our mortality and about mortality in general and change in general. And then um, as we come into that, then to start asking the question of what next? What's really next? Mm-hmm. Because there will probably come a time when even your interest in working with breast cancer might shift. It has. And uh-huh. I've actually thought about, you know, starting a little business around something that I did while, while I was being treated um, for it. And, you know, the, I mean, I have a lot of creative ideas, and I do see that being a new direction for me. But I think what you said just a couple seconds ago was, you know, the question of what's next. I've never really thought about my life in those terms. Mm-hmm. I've never had a five-year plan or a three-year plan. And I've just kind of gone in a direction based on how I, how it presented itself to me. And I've uh-huh. had a really great, interesting, fulfilling life that way. And so now being diagnosed, and it's like you kind of do have to measure yourself in three months and six months that's checks right. and one year and five years. And I and so that's that's new for me. Yes. I understand that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's inviting me to be um a new person in that regard as well. Yes. So it it's is. just a lot of changes. Right. It, there are a lot of changes and it is it is really I love that you use the word inviting you. It is an invitation. And we either accept the invitations or we resist the invitations we're given mm-hmm. in life. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that we don't resist, it's important to grieve our losses uh, first. And part of even as you're going through the shift into what next, you'll still feel those losses. And at the same time, if you can invite as much as possible, you know, life 
calling for a new way of living here, that maybe this is the time in your life when you will start actually making uh, one-year or three-year plans, even if that's not been something you've been drawn to doing before. I've been wanting to do that. So, like I said, you know, cancer really, it, it, it brought me some gifts. And I would say just even with this conversation with you, um, through this I've learned of another one, which is the ability to see time in a new way and, and reviewing the past mm-hmm. and whatever that brings up and the grief that might still be uh, untapped there and un- unresolved. And then also just the ability to manage time going forward and viewing it as um, chunk, you know, opportunities rather than just kind of this open-endedness. Right, right. Yeah, that that sense of open-endedness uh, is will never be there again. You know, that's, and that's for sad both of for us. Me because that represents youth. Right, it does. I understand that completely. And it's something that I that other people who are listening will understand who have been through any kind of life-threatening illness or any situation where they have been faced with their mortality. Mm-hmm. And um, that realization can also create an incredible experience of now for us, though, too. You know, I think that, that, that people in our situation also live life to the max in many ways, if we choose that. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely fit that that description. And I think that the other thing that we have an opportunity to do when we take the invitation is to take a lot more risk in our lives. Well, that's, you know, I was having this fantasy the other day about, you know, like, what would make me feel happy? And I saw this really cool car. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, God, I'm turning into a cliche. You know, here I am in my 40s. And what would make me happy? This brand new car. Uh And I thought, no, I can't. But, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the and so I had to look at what that represents. Or you can get the car. <laughs> I can tell you that there are a lot of people listening to this right now who are going, get the car, get, get the car. The car. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what we want is for you to be happy. and We want you to take those risks and throw caution to the wind, to be, you know, and do all the things that you really owe yourself to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not telling you really what to do about the car, but it is the idea that so what if you're a cliche we're all cliches in some ways the the reason that there's a cliche is because we fit these things it's human nature mm-hmm. so let yourself don't shame yourself about being a cliche saying okay this is where i am right now i'm a breast cancer survivor and i'm in my 40s and um this is what happens mm-hmm. and now how am i going to love myself and what risks am i going to take and what challenges am i going to allow myself to experience to really make my life extraordinary Wow. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're inspiring me to be good here. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, what I'd really like to do is hear back from you again. If you're willing to give a, a call to me at 415-458-1900, that's my private voicemail, or email me at jane at askjanenow.com. I'd really love to hear from you again and know what happens next, because I feel like this is all just really unfolding for you. It is, and I'd be really happy to check in with you again and and keep the dialogue going. All right, great. Thanks, Amanda. You're welcome, Jane. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do you like what you're hearing on the Ask Jane show? Well, then visit janestrauss.com to ask Jane your questions and to read her blog. You can also read excerpts from Jane's remarkable book, Enough is Enough, which will help you stop enduring and start living a more extraordinary life now. You can also watch Jane's video, 10 Keys to an Extraordinary Life, by visiting janestrauss.com. That's janestraus.com. Isn't it time you started living the life you want now? It's time now for Jane to answer one of your emails right here on Ask Jane. Here's an email I received from someone suffering from resentment. She writes, Dear Jane, how can I let go of resentment towards my mother for being thin and lose weight myself? Well, I wanted to answer this question because even if weight is not everyone's issue, resentment and jealousy torture most of us at one time or another. What jealousy is, is an indicator that we believe someone else has something that we can't attain. We may experience jealousy about someone's looks, their financial status, 
their popularity or success, or their personal life. But it all comes down to the belief that we can't have what they have. Why would we believe this unless we didn't think we were equally deserving? So jealousy helps us recognize that we are feeling unworthy in some way. The question changes from, how do I get what so-and-so has, to how do I get that I am worthy? We won't necessarily wake up one morning with a belief in our own worthiness. Like any other belief, it takes repetition and practice to get it. So how do you let go of resentment towards your mother for being thin and lose weight yourself? How do you get that you are worthy of having the body you desire? Before eating or before opportunities to exercise, you ask what I believe is the most important healing question you can pose, which is this. If I knew my worthiness in this very moment, what would I do? Whether we want to lose weight or experience more love, success, or happiness, I recommend asking yourself this question at least 10 times a day, every single day. You'll find that as your sense of self-worth grows, you will suffer less from jealousy and resentment. Will you lose weight? I don't know. But you will get out of the prison that resentment has kept you in. So if you're finding yourself in the prison of resentment, if you have jealousy that you're feeling ashamed of and embarrassed about, but you just can't let it go, then call me at 415-458-1900. That's my private voicemail, and I will help you and support you. Or you can email me at jane at askjanenow.com. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, good. So why don't you tell me what I can help you with today? All right. I mean, there's a part of me that wonders if you can help me, but uh-huh. I'm willing to give it a try. Good for you. Okay. I'm a 59-year-old woman, um, age and weight appropriate, uh, natural gray hair, which I love. And um, I have found myself um, not being in relationship for a long time, uh, not even being asked out. I don't put a lot of focus on it, so it's not like I'm walking around with my head drooping down going, oh, I'm not in a relationship. Um, But there's a part of me that just wonders whether such a thing is still possible for me. And there are issues in my background and in my history that have gotten in the way in the past, but um, at this point, I'm just wondering, um, considering I turned 60 this year, uh, is this a time for me to just sign off on even the possibility, or, you know, is it something that, you know, I might still aim for and re-strategize towards? So, first of all, the first thing I want to say is, no way are we going to just have you sign off on this. You know, the fact that you're making this call, which takes courage, um, lets me know that you're still, that there's some unanswered questions for you on the possibilities, right, Lee? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is it that, have you ever had a really wonderful relationship? Is that something you've ever even experienced? Well, here's the thing. Through my life, there I've been out of relationship far more than I have been in. And uh, I have, in my life, been both gay and straight. And a lot of that, I think, stems from the fact that I was sexually abused uh, very badly when I was a child. I'm sorry uh, so to hear that. So women were safer, and men have always been the unknown quantity. I'm starting to think that it would probably be more possible for me to have a relationship with a woman than a man. And truly, the only um, close to satisfying relationships I've had have been with women. But I haven't had one of those in, oh my gosh, can I actually say more than 25 years? Uh huh. So even when you just said close to satisfactory, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to ask you outright, have you ever been in love? Have you had someone be in love with you? Have you had that experience with a man or a woman? In truth, no. There may have been a couple of times where I was in temporary obsession with someone, uh-huh. but I haven't truly, and this is, and, and I've written about this and, and, and journaled about it a lot, um, but I really don't believe I've ever had first love. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
And what is first love, if you were to kind of describe that now, you know, at 59, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, what would that mean to you right now? Let's get a picture of it. I'm looking for the sweetness, the discovery. Um, What I like to say is that what I really want more than anything else to start off is a good conversation, because if we don't have a level of communication, nothing else is possible. But I really like to be with some, I'm a great listener, and I can engage with people very well, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to be hit with a monologue. I want somebody who wants to know about me as much as I would like to know about them, where we can share a lot way before it ever gets into the, gee, are we going to be sexual with each other or not? Uh Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it's almost like going back to high school days where there was a lot of dating and flirting and time together to get to know each other before we move into anything major. But, Lee, you just described two very different things. Um, in in my at least my understanding and my memory of high school, <laughs> in high school it's a lot about hormones, and it's a lot as you were saying about flirting, and a lot about the sexuality first, and then like finding out are you then compatible. So it's kind of like what I'm hearing is two kinds of separate desires here maybe on your part. Well, maybe this just goes back to the era in which I was in high school. Because uh, it is going back, there were many different uh, assumptions about sexuality and becoming involved in that way. But also, I guess part of this is also that when I was back in high school, I was in amnesia about the abuse that I had suffered. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really flip that switch on sexuality. And maybe back then what I was looking for was somebody to, you know, talk with and be comfortable with and, and share that space so that we could move forward in increments as opposed to, you know, Again, being a, being of a later era, I would jump into bed and then go, "Excuse me, what is your name?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. So you've done that too. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I did that uh, for a long time, as the phrase goes. Um, I was trying to screw myself straight when I found myself attracted to women. Uh huh. And when I was attracted to women, there was a safety, but there wasn't a great sexuality involved with that. And I kept on finding myself looking at men and going, hmm, why can't I do that? So Where there was maybe some attraction, but I didn't really know how to act on it. Okay, so what? let's get a little clearer maybe on what you want, because otherwise it, it's like you could go here or there or nowhere. And mm-hmm. what you're really wanting is to get, is to know what, this whole package of, quote, first love looks like for you, right? I believe that would be accurate. Okay. So let's not leave out the sexuality then. Mm-hmm. So you want the sexuality. You want that attraction. I would like that to be possible, yes. Oh, no, you want it. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. Having experienced, and and I'll be completely frank here, having experienced a lot of pain in connection with sexuality, um, there's a part of me that goes, okay, I understand that this can feel good, and I understand that there is an incredible force and power to it, but quite frankly, uh, except for fleeting experiences where I had to grit my teeth for a period of time before it started to feel good, um, in general, it hasn't felt good. So physically, you're saying insertion, a man's penis inside of you is painful. Yes, it is. And um, as I've gotten older, it's been less and less possible just because of the dryness. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and I know that there, there are, are techniques and goo Lubricants. and stuff oh, that yeah. can be used for that. To be, but quite frankly, I haven't gotten to that point with anyone for a while. Oh, okay. Well, so a lot of the conversation that you might want to have with somebody is around that. That so that you don't feel abused sexually because mm-hmm. you don't want to go from feeling attracted to then feeling abused sexually because that's that mimics what happened to you as a child. Yes. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So um so let's paint your ideal picture. Let's wave the magic wand for a moment because really that's how we create relationship. Is, okay. Is by doing that. It's by giving ourselves permission to even wave that magic wand. Okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, let me start waving it with you, and then you tell me, you keep filling in. So what I'm hearing is you want a partner, and I'm going to say male right now, but we're not hung up on that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, but we're going to just pretend for a moment. Um, so you want, because you want to have 
that kind of sexual tension and feeling and to know if you can overcome the painful place and actually experience the power and enjoyment of sex. Yes. And you want that with a partner who's a good listener, mm-hmm. who's a good talker, who's sensitive, and who has, in my opinion, from what I'm hearing, the wisdom that you have. Thank you. That would be a lovely combination of, of um, characteristics to find in someone who also was genuinely interested in me. Right. I keep hearing the genuinely interested part, and I get that that's important to you right now and needs to be at the top of the list. It's that I have found that um, when, you know, I tried online dating on occasion, I meet somebody through friends, and what I find is that there's a lot of monologuing and ego, and it's like, here's who I am, you know, if anything's going to happen, it's on my terms. Mm-hmm. as opposed to, gee, who are you? I'd really like to know about you. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of the online dating kinds of stuff turns dates into interviews. Mm-hmm. And so people do their interview mode where they think they have to spill everything about themselves and tell everything about themselves. And so it doesn't lend itself to that kind of, you know, a human interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not trying online dating yeah. at this point for for much of that reason. Okay, but what you really know, need to know is that you deserve to have what you're asking for here, and it's age-appropriate that the kind of person, whether male or female, that you would be drawing in at this stage in your life, if they have that skill, it's going to show up pretty early. Mm-hmm. You're going to know if they can be a good listener pretty early on. And maybe you need to make an agreement with yourself that you're one, that if you're not getting that that kind of person, that you're not going to do anything beyond that for yourself. You're going to keep yourself safe and you're going to not go anywhere as a favor to them, mm-hmm. including listening. I don't even mean sex. You're not going to listen for five minutes longer to the monologue than you need to. Actually, five minutes is usually my, my level of patience, where uh-huh. if they haven't started asking me about me after five minutes, or at least, you know, thrown the ball back in my court, at that point, I'm out of the conversation. Good call. And it's not a conversation. It, it is it, It's a monologue. Good. Good for you. That's good that you have that. Now, what you want to do is let go of any old beliefs that you have that are limiting you from finding this, because I'm also hearing that for you. Uh-huh. You know, you have a belief that part of it is, is like, I hear the broken cookie thing. I'm also a sexual abuse survivor. And, you know, I know that that I could, in the past, I could get into this mode of I'm a broken cookie because this happened to me. And therefore, I have these issues. But you know what? Everybody has issues. Mm -hmm. Everybody has problems. You know, it's part of being a human being. And nobody's more broken than anybody else which means we're not really broken. We, we were stretched. We were given challenges in our life to overcome. And I've done a lot of work on, on the abuse issues, so mm-hmm. that's not what I lead with. Um, at the same time, I would like to find somebody where that's not a difficulty and where they're attractive enough to at least want to find out about me. And I think that's been part of the challenge, too. Mm-hmm. So what kind of man, let's call him, again, we're just starting with that place because we're waving mm-hmm. a magic wand here. Um, what kind of man would be that man? I mean, what do you see when you envision him? Somebody who has genuinely lived a life that has put him through stresses where, where a lot of the corners have been knocked off and rounded up, where he has done his own healing work. He Maybe he's had relationships in the past, probably he has, very mm-hmm. satisfying ones, where there's, there's just, there's a heart that is present there. Okay, so you're looking for someone with a heart, with a big heart. And, right, and, and who yes. is intelligent and articulate. You're right, those are two very important things for me. If we cannot communicate, there's there's no sense in trying to do anything else. You know, just in talking with you, Lee, is I keep I keep getting the word wisdom. You need someone who has wisdom, who has at least equal wisdom with you. That would be very nice. So I want you to ask you if you're willing to put that at the top of your list. Yes, I'm going to write that down right now. Okay. Because you're a very wise woman, I can just tell. 
and you have a lot to offer. And it's not going to work if you have to teach somebody. It's not going to work if you feel like they're not there yet. You don't Mm -hmm. want to waste your time on that. You know how to be alone. You know how to be independent. You know how to take care of yourself. Yes, I do. Right. You do. You've got all that down. You just don't want to do that all the time anymore. It would be nice to have some mutual leaning on each other going on, agreed upon and going, you know, I'll take care of this for you. Oh, you'll take care of this for me. Oh, that's so sweet. Right. And that comes from being with a mature, wise person. Oh, mature is a really good word to put in here. Right. Okay, good. Add that right there to your list at the top of your list. Mm Mm-hmm. Mature and wise. And really, what I want you to do is to visualize and to open up and to start to notice wise, mature beings around you. Mm -hmm. Single. (laughs) (laughs) How does that sound, Lee? That sounds very good. That, That certainly sounds like an appropriate first step. It's not just a first step. It may be the only step you need to do. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting how we think. Right now we're talking to Lee, who's really uh, done a lot of healing work on her own as a very actualized woman, and now she's looking for a relationship that's really like a first love. And what that means to Lee is to have someone who's communicative and and understands a lot about life, him or herself. Mm -hmm. So, Lee. Oftentimes we think that there are 10 steps to finding something we want. And really the only thing that we need to do is to open up. So what I really want you to be willing to do here is to open up to being open. And to getting that that's all you may need to do. It may just come right into your life, right into your lap, just by opening up to mature and wise. Well, I'm I'm listening for a little knock at the door. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, this, no, this, this sounds very doable. Okay. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, Lee. So let me know how it goes. I, I sure will, Jane. I expect I'll hear from you shortly. <laughs> <laughs> from your mouth to somebody's ear. That's right. You got it. Thank you so much for your uh-huh. help. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today. I want to give special thanks to my wonderful callers for creating an incredible show. And also thank you to Scott and Teresa, my producers. And uh, be sure to join me next week for another Ask Jane show here on Green 960. Send me your questions, concerns, and feedback. I'm at jane at askjanenow.com. And you can also reach me on my confidential voicemail, 415-458-1900. That's 415-458-1900. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been the Ask Jane show with relationship expert Jane Strauss. Send an email to jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. With your relationship concern, if you'd like to get some helpful advice right here on the show. You can also visit her website, askjanenow.com, on the Internet. That's askjanenow.com. Jane,